0: Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess.
1: Hey, Don. What's going on?
0: Uh, this week, it's more of one of those weeks where you've got a bunch of balls in the air and you're trying to figure out which one to catch next. Um I've got I've got a number of different projects going on, and it's a matter of keeping them all going, keeping them all progressing, figuring out the priority on them all, um, and and there are days that the priorities just don't even make sense because it's not always monetarily based. It's it's based on you know a few other things as well. So. Um, it's been good though. It's it, it's it. Uh, we we were talking about a, um, a technician we have in construction specialties who's always out in the field and always working. And if if he's not out doing something for us, he he gets he gets antsy. Um, mm-hmm. So we always try and keep him as busy as we can. And and it's a similar feeling. I don't go swing a hammer to do it, but. Um, it's a similar feeling as I, I, I have to be doing something uh, fairly constantly. So, been working on a few different things. What about
1: you? Um, in the work world, well, I guess I should ask. Part of your prioritization problems is that because I keep poking you with ideas on Slack, or is it- yes, exactly. <laughs> you you are part of the
0: problem, but that's okay.
1: Figure, um. The this week for me, uh, I've been doing, I kind of mentioned this previous episode, Learning more React Native. I've also I've used Firebase. It's the Google online database um, product. I've used it before, I've taught it to s- students before, but now I'm kind of using it a little bit more. I'm not a huge fan of it because of its proprietary nature. Um, I like using databases that I can move around work in different staging environments, that kind of uh, development production. And it follows kind of the sequel. I like relational databases, but it's fast. And it actually ties into the subject for today's podcast. So I've been learning a little bit more about Firebase, seeing if I might use it for a project. Um, but really, the, the bigger news is that we are starting a new podcast in addition we to are. this one. The, this one is not ending. This one is going to keep going, but we're calling it this old app from scratch, and it's going to be more kind of a grab bag, open, more open ended, uh, more on the level of tech. That's my kind of description of it. What do you? What are your? What are you thinking about it?
0: So, so I, I do think it, there are times when on this particular podcast we, we will start to dive into details and then we'll back off the details. Um, and, and I think the, the, the other podcast is for diving into those details. And we do that for, for a variety of reasons. One is this CTO think podcast, we're, we're mostly talking about the abstract. We're mostly talking about how do you approach decision-making for executives, um, that sort of thing. And, um, it's more about, how to how to how to make decisions whereas on the other one it's going to be more about the decisions we made and why they were the wrong ones always
1: yeah so (laughs) so the irie i've actually i also look at it as a more a looser organization to case in point i've already recorded an episode without you that will be played (laughs) (laughs) how it will be played later And it'll be with a beginner developer talking about their experience with a particular technology. And I'm just I think we can kind of be open ended, kind of riff on stuff differently than kind of like what you said, the higher end, higher responsibility that goes into tech leadership and tech management that CTO think does. So and
0: and, and I do think I do think. This old app uh, is also going to be a probably a little shorter. We're gonna we're gonna try yeah. and, and and bring it down in, in size. Even though we're diving deeper, we're gonna break it up more. Yeah. So, um, sure. so little little tidbits, a little bit more of.
1: We're aiming to. It'll be on the domain name, um, and people can actually go there now. There's nothing really there, but we'll have a newsletter sign up and stuff for this old app dot online. So we're using one of the new TLD top level domains dot online and it'll be hosted with a service, a new beta service called Transistor FM, based out of Chicago. It's a uh, there are two developers slash marketers that are looking to build a SaaS product around the podcast hosting space. And we're going to put our new podcast on that platform to see how it works out. So anyway, anyone that's interested can start to head over there and we'll start posting episodes soon. For today on CTO Think, um, this is a what I'm going to call a part one um, of a series that won't be Week to week, um, but it's going to be a subject that I'm going to spread out as I learn more about it. It's about identity management. That's what I'm calling the subject. Cool. Are we going to be spies? We we could be spies. The idea is to keep the spies out. Oh, That's what I'm oh to do.
0: Okay. darn! I thought you meant creation of identity.
1: Okay, go on. So, um, what I'm what I'm talking about with identity management is. Basic is the overall category around user authentication and authorization at both the developer local level as well as how applications manage user data. Now, last week we talked about Facebook and how they utilize user data as a product um, and how Amazon may or may not do that. But what I'm talking more about is that everybody utilizing technology, whether it's your laptop logging in when you turn it on to creating an application or product for your company and users have to create an, an account and then where you store that information. As well as when you and I work together and we need to share credentials on a project how we do that. Like there's so many layers. So we're not looking to stuff it all into one, but I want to kind of talk about it at the level that we're both in small businesses. And I don't think it's taken serious enough at our level um, all the time. And so I've got some examples of what is available now and practices people should be doing And then we'll kind of take it from there as to where we'll focus. And, you know, I'll bring back more research as I learn more about these things. Sure. Um, So uh, this all stems from, I have been working again with React Native. And the first thing I wanted to learn was how do I set up authentication with React Native, which I'm really kind of focused on iOS at the moment. And... The, the tutorial that I'm watching has two examples of what to work with, but they're using Firebase. Um, the Google database technology has an auth piece built into it that people can use to set up users with the ability to create accounts, to log in with Facebook, um, Go- like Google aden- identities, as well as their own email and password. And... I went onto at least two message boards, um, actually three message boards, and I did the, it was Hacker News, Lobsters, and Indie Hackers. And I just asked broadly, what are people using for their authentication? Are they using Firebase at large? Are they using um, a package or a library locally that they just build it in themselves? And I got really few responses. Now it could have been how I phrased the question. It could have been the article I attached to it. I don't, I'm not totally sure, but there wasn't a big amount of feedback or discussion around what are people using? And I thought that was odd because to me, it's a very important part of a project, but it didn't get a big response. And just the question being asked of what are like, how are people approaching this? And so I guess my first question to you what are you using right now in your projects for the products you have not necess- not your own password management we'll talk about that later I'm just curious what libraries you're using on your projects right now to handle authentication and authorization
0: Well so here's here's my cop out answer for for today um, for aspire edu we manage very little authentication and authorization um, because it's passed off through the learning management system through an LTI standard, which is learning tools and operability um, interoperability uh, standard. So, what that means is our end users have to sign into their learning management system before they can mm-hmm. even access our system. At that point it's just uh, the LTI standard. So that's not something that everybody can use. Um, and But that's not a out. that's a strategy. Agreed. Agreed. It's a strategy and it it, it makes our lives incredibly easier, much easier. So yeah. so the, I think the reason you're not getting um you're not getting a lot of answers is I think it's hard. Um, oh yeah so so I think people <laughs> yes. try and put it off or put it as far down the line as they can um, and they handle it as lightly as they can and that is probably part of the problem um, with why things leak out um, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say people don't think it's important because I think, most of your ethical the developers and ethical product teams would think it's important Yeah, they're not there's no positive incentive i think for them to put that above a feature there's plenty of negative incentives Um, but there's no real positive incentive to go spend a lot of time on that stuff. And that stuff is hard and it's, you have to like
1: doing it. So, um, I I don't, well, I want to, I want to argue, well, I guess one of my things I wanted to talk about, you just dove right into outsourcing it. Like you're outsourcing the off off part of your application. And I think that's wise depending on who you (laughs) outsource it to, but going into my example of code, right. there's, there's two main libraries that I've used in the Ruby on Rails and in the Node space. Devise is a library that a lot of people in the Rails world use. And it has a lot of pre-built-in workflows for users to create an account, sign in, recover passwords... Um, expire sessions. There's all sorts of stuff that's built in. And if you p- use this package, which is widely used by a lot of people, the updates happen magically for you by open source developers. And it works. Like I just haven't had a number, any big problems with device. Now, the flip side is you do install it yourself. You have to customize it. And the, the, all of the user password data is stored on your database. So that's one of the downsides I think is strong. The, the biggest downside is we store the data ourselves. It's secure, but we're still owning that data and we are not auth professionals. The other one is Passport, which you, works within the Node. Right, uh, I have, the I have Node seen that one. yeah. And it's, I think it's great. It's also very much like Devise. A lot of people are working on it. It's widely used. It's got a lot of plugins to ex- extend its features. But again, in many cases, you're going to be storing that data locally unless, but the thing that Devise doesn't do, that Passport does better. Passport works with outside vendors better. Um, and then a lot of people are using OAuth, um, that standard, to allow credentials to be verified by Google, Facebook, Twitter, GitHub, what have you, which is closer to what you're talking about. And I I feel like what your team is doing is the better way to go. Um,
0: with, with the caveat you mentioned earlier, which is as long as you trust the people you're outsourcing it to and yes. and and we yes. we can do that because at the end of the day if our clients don't trust the learning management system that's handling the authentication then they don't need us um, they've got they've yep. got a much bigger problem so um, that that certainly eases our burden as far as that goes we do have some authentication we have to and authorization we have to do on our end for our developers to get into the system but we do it using mm-hmm. pretty much what the base Django stuff. And there's there's uh, some packages in Django that'll do that. But that's only managing our credentials. That's not managing our users' credentials
1: at all. Have you, so then the next point, if, so now taking it from, I don't want to use devise and I want to have Passport only interact with outside providers um, in the future. That's what I'm aiming to do. Have you ever looked at any of the bigger providers? Right now, I know of Auth0, Okta, which is a company that kind of swallowed up a number of different um, outsourced auth providers, like Stormpath was a big one for a while, Firebase, which is Google's, um, and then AWS Cognito. Amazon Web Services has their own product. Have you looked at any of those or worked with any of those at all as a possible option for your projects?
0: No, simply because I've had no projects get to a level where it, uh, authorization and authentication was something I needed to dive into. Um, nothing has been production-ready enough beyond Aspire you, where we outsourced that stuff. Um, so yeah. I can't say I've got a, a, lot of, a, a lot of diving into all oh, the zero. I've certainly heard of, um, and when I've had to go do some looking, that's one of the names that popped up.
1: Yeah. Now the, when I've looked at them, um, and I can't speak for, I haven't been able to use them yet at great length to kind of vouch for them. What I hope to do is kind of, as I work on some things, be able to report back. On some of my experiences right now at the beginning, I can tell you that I've gotten stuck. I've tried Off the Zero two or three times in different scenarios, and I've gotten stuck on their documentation because they, or I've gotten stuck also in their dashboard. The product is humongous on this on scope because they are trying to work with enterprise companies first and foremost is what it seems like. Like this is is a perception, opinion type of thing. Someone may listen to this and go, and that's not them at all. And I'm like, well, this is what I perceive. They have tons of documentation, but when I try to follow their tutorials, they take me down this path that delves into such advanced configuration. Like all I'm looking to do at this point is have a user with an email and a password or be able to log in with Google. And then I need to be able to have them auth and then they then using whatever uh, whatever code, my API will know, oh, this person is logged in. OAuth, I cannot get through their documentation. I can't actually take the scenario I want and map it to their docs to know, is this what I should be building? And every time I get halfway down the path, I find out that I've got something configured wrong on the dashboard or it doesn't sync with what this is not what I'm trying to do. So I've gotten stopped there with Okta. And I've actually talked to one of their salespeople. The documentation isn't there. Like it's not I just can't find the most basic scenario to get started. And when I talked to their salesperson, they just said, well, if you really want help, you just hire us to develop it for you. And I was like, well, that's a no, non-starter because I need to do this myself to get this set up. And they just said, well, you should go to, can I send you the support link? And I'm like, well, I can Google that. And they just said, well, I'm not qualified to give you answers. And until you pay for support, we won't give them to you. So I got pretty much blocked there. And the bottom line is they want great right. clients they like the, the first questions they were asking me is how many thousands of users will you have on the system? And I'm like two, <laughs> cause I'm starting out from scratch and that was not no, an attractive No, no, answer. no, no, no. You didn't the person, answer their
0: question. Their question was how many thousands <laughs> and you went point oh oh
1: two, <laughs> Exactly. And the person was not disrespectful. They just, were trying to find enterprise clients and that's not what I represented. Firebase, so far it's easy as anything I've tried thus far where I can take their example for auth and plop that into a React na- app or a React Native or I've done auth before with just a JavaScript or a Node Server thing and it works great which makes me think it's not secure (laughs) enough because it's not complex. And I don't know, like, I I know it's secure, but I'm trying to get that scenario of like, I'm I've experienced with JavaScript web tokens on APIs and Firebase. I don't know where that ties in, but Firebase has code I can drop in and I can start authentication within minutes. And that's where I get worried. I'm like, oh, isn't this supposed to be harder? <laughs> and I, that's the fear I have is I'm not sure if this is as secure as I need it but, to be. And, and that
0: that may be true, but I it, it may not be true because because of who it's from, right? Um, Google yeah. does write decent stuff. They do write decent documentation. I won't say great. Um, so and and a lot of their products that come out are fairly easy to use. So it's yeah. it's not like it's a surprise that it's easy to use. It's just so different from having to, from using other auth products that it is, and it's a different market. They're aiming yep. for a different market, and I can tell you, it, Firebase. It, you go and you look at a tutorial for building a, a single. Um, single-page web application, or you go Google a node tutorial that needs authentication, and the things that pop up are Passport and Firebase, Passport and Firebase, Passport and yep. Firebase. It's those two things. Yep. So it, it's it's certainly known within the developer community. That does not answer the question, is it secure enough? Because yep. Yep. those are just tutorials. So there, there's going to have to be some diving there, but my gut tells me probably is.
1: Yeah. I, there's another one, AWS Cognito, that I do need to look at. Personally, I avoid most AWS products until they're about two years old, because it seems like the way AWS releases products is we're going to focus on the backend and the functionality working, and later we'll worry about documentation and interface, right. which is a smart smart way to go. Um but I just don't have time to burn on in beta level AWS products because I've always paid a price where I'm like, how is this supposed to work? Now they've really upgraded Cognito since the first time I looked at it. So that's what I need to report on. But I guess getting away from the details at the moment, um, from a philosophical standpoint, uh, my statement now as a developer, and I can't say I follow this always, is that... Off, the auth side of an MVP is still very important to not do in a half-assed manner because what I feel happens beyond, like everyone does this MVP, minimum viable product, to such an extent that clear text passwords get baked in to the product at the beginning. And then when they look at what will it take for us to upgrade this, I don't think it's the developer time that is where things get blocked. I think that somebody in the product team says, wait, you're going to force everyone to recreate accounts or recreate passwords? No, we can't do that to our users. And the number of software products that I have interfaced with where I know that there's clear text passwords in the system, I'm not going to name the companies, but I know because... I've been sent clear text passwords in an email from the recovery system is strikingly big. And I feel like that's a a product of not considering auth at the beginning, even in the most basic setup. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that because there's always a push and pull with MVPs and how products are built. But what is your stance on... We got to solve the auth problem at the beginning, even for the MVP. For so,
0: yes, for if we're talking about an MVP where we're actually going to put users in there to uh, let me let me back it out and just answer it this way: if you are going to put users in there with real information, you have to solve the problem. Um, you can't okay. you can't go light on it. As much complaining as I do about about how hard it can be. At the end of the day, you're 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 gathering information from your users. Um, whatever stage you're at, that you are putting that information in, I think you have to protect it. Um, I think that's that's yeah. an expectation people have, and if you do it very lightly, if you do it, if you don't put in the effort to do it the right way and somehow something happens even in those early stages it's going to hurt you um and and your 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 product will be dead even before it starts um so you got to solve it as much of a pain as it's got to be solved
1: and yeah and even beyond that for a company that's experienced down the road or that's been that has been in existence for a while If you're fighting with your product team or the user experience team on, hey, we need to secure our database and make all of our users create new passwords because everything was done wrong in the past, I'd say continue to fight and make it more of a point at all the companies that have been getting hacked and talk about the risk there at a much greater level because... I've, I just remember discussions I've had where the password system was set up incorrectly and we had where we got pushback because no, we don't want to force our users any kind of inconsideration or lack of or like inconvenience. And the answer is, yeah, they should pay this price, we should give them new keys like i remember going into like real world i remember changing the keys for our condo building of 32 units was such a pain because we'd have to distribute these real items to everyone and we would have the people that got locked out because they would get the key and then not even put it on their key ring and i'm and so i know it's painful but you know what's worse getting a number of users hacked like the iphone hack like phone or photo scandal having A hack at that level for a big company is devastating these days because the press is just latching on to it as data, like the lack of responsibility that tech companies are doing with data. And I'd say, you know what? If you got to inconvenience people now for the doing the right thing, way better than the inconvenience that everyone suffers because you don't do it at all. Um, The only the one item with these outsourced providers. And I guess, I don't know, for a web product, I guess it doesn't matter, but offline access, you can't do anything offline if you don't have internet access to authenticate. Um, So that's a downfall, I would say, to one extent. If you have a desktop app, I mean, you can log in with some desktop apps, and they don't need web access to do it. But I can't. There's got to be some way that that works, I would think, but I don't know. (laughs) Like, I just haven't delved into it. Um, There's also a new product out, or this actually goes into the next subject. So, I don't know if you have any other opinions about identity management at the product level um, I I think we I
0: think we nailed it down as far as, yeah, it's hard, but do it.
1: Okay. And I'll... Again, we'll do another episode in the future where I'm going to delve in more about what I've learned and talk about it um, because this is something that I'm starting to spend like little chunks of time on to see how far I can get. The other subject around this, which is actually more maddening to me at the CTO technical manager level, is password management um, at the user at the developer level at the in the office department sharing of credentials, that kind of thing. Um, as a practice with every one of my clients day one, when we start a project, I set aside time to talk about passwords and I don't, I can't, I don't know the count. I just know that the number of yawns and people (laughs) I put to sleep in such a short period of time is amazing. Like it's almost like people should pay me to be on, in a Spotify sleep <laughs> talk or sleep clip where I start talking about password responsibility because it just knocks people All right, out. So, so, so forewarning um, for
0: everyone listening to the podcast right now, if you're driving, wake up, <laughs> stop the podcast and pick it up when you're in
1: bed. Right to talk exactly. So, before I put knock everyone out, I hope like to put it on pause, get some coffee if you are in an office. The what I'm talking about here is what I blame. Like I'll say, people in my family are known to use post-it notes and pieces of paper around their desks that have a that are littered with okay. passwords. Um, often it will. <laughs> I should say maybe more like password, Right. because usually it's a significant number of usernames that are different, and the same password right. all over the place. And if I walked up to their computer, I could open a drawer, pull a post-it note off a computer, and I would be able to s- probably figure out how to log in about half of the things that they find important that they go but, to frequently. Most important, but I'm gonna, their I'm, email. gonna ar- I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with you here because sure. I.
0: Would argue that I would rather have my family members have everything written down on post it notes sitting at their house um, where they use their computer than have one password for everything. Because,
1: yeah. Well, yes, no. Because yeah, at, yeah. At,
0: at, at the end of the day, what you're talking about is you're talking about an actual physical robbery happening in order to get the passwords. So I'm not too concerned about that. If that happens, there are lots of problems going on.
1: Uh, oh, okay. But I, I'm, I was going to move that okay. to the office because I, don't, I, see, I have seen Agreed. the same behavior in offices. And that's where it doesn't Agreed. work for me because there's too many, even when in a, in a secure office scenario, there are too many opportunities for walk-bys for someone to grab a Post-it note. Are to grab that right. credential. But I also, what I actually see more of than anything, um, the two behaviors of, I would say, I'm going to call them admin staff level people on all, in, in tech, in, in any company, is the use of the same password in multiple accounts and the transfer of um, email or passwords through email, which are two very, very bad ways to store, utilize, and transfer that information. And what I when I'm in talking to people in my put to sleep speech, I instantly start talking about password management as a practice. And what I use is a service called right. 1Password. And you, uh, do you use, Last I use LastPass or what do you use? And that's, that's,
0: that's problem one, but we'll get to it in a minute.
1: Okay. Um, but actually let's just talk about it. Talk about your experience with LastPass, how much you use it, what you use it for. I'm, I'm curious about so, your so experience with it.
0: I, I use it all the time. Um, I have it store all my passwords. I even have put, my credit, one of my credit card numbers and expiration date and security code in the secure notes section of it. That's how much I trust it. Um, so that I have those things available to me when I'm on the computer, I don't use it to auto fill those things, but I have it as a note so I can pull Mm -hmm. it up. Um, I, I do, I, I use it just about everywhere. I've, gotten to where I do not save passwords in the browser anymore. Um, so your browsers mm-hmm. will usually ask if you want to save the password. I've tried to get away from that um, and just yep. use LastPass to save the passwords. Um, in fact, uh, one thing I'm going to take it one step farther than, than you asked, I think. Um, one thing we haven't done at Aspire EDU yet is... Have a shared account where we're putting all our shared passwords. So uh perfect example mm-hmm. today, one of the services we use, we have a common email address that we use for all our deployments, and that's the account name for this service. And I needed to go in there to take care of some billing, and I didn't have the password. So I, I contacted one of the developers, yeah. got the password, and then saved it in LastPass, so I've got it next time. Um and there are ways, I think, if I if I remember right, I think 1Password is better at this than LastPass is. There are ways to s- share that information within the system, um, within the password manager.
1: 1Password, well, I'll talk about 1Password. Pa- 1Password yeah, does yeah, do I, that I, fine.
0: I don't know that LastPass but. does. Uh, it's, it's not something we've delved into just yet. Um, but I, I think...
1: I think so, that is, so me, I, and when I
0: said that's problem one, problem one is I'm using LastPass, you're using one password. There are two solutions on the market, um, and the solutions may be fairly equal. But go ahead and talk about one password.
1: So, well, what I wanted to ask you about LastPass yeah. first: are you paying? A, are you paying a subscription? Fee yes,
0: for it? I'm paying a subscription fee, so I can use it on my phone, and so be. I think. Either I'm paying for the family plan, or the family plan comes with it when you pay for it. One of the two. Um, I'm paying for it so okay. that I it, my family can use it, so that they can save their passwords
1: as well. So where do you use it? Like you mentioned, you have it on your phone. You said desktop, but where is it installed on your desktop? It is
0: installed in my browser.
1: Okay. Do you have? Is there a desktop uh, version too? Good question. I don't know. Okay. So 1Password is the competing tool that I use. And when people, I have a family plan. So Megan has a, an account. One of the people I work with, she has an account as well that I think I just covered. I was like, this is worth us having these credentials shared for the client. Um, I was not able to convince a client to pay for it. I was like, this is the best way to do passwords. And they just kind of blew the whole thing off the last client I talked to. And I've had, but then I sometimes have clients that use their own tool, um, which I don't know what they are all the time. But for one password, there's a desktop version that gives you the full power of like edits and they have services that tell you, hey, this password is really not secure. They also tie into, maybe when LastPass does this, they actually listen in the public for hacks, companies that have gotten hacked. And they can say, we think your password is part of a group of passwords that was hacked that have been owned and out for sale or something like that. So like Adobe, Um, When Adobe got hacked last pass or one password said, hey, you need to change this password because we think it has been hacked. Um, They look for duplicates like, hey, this password has been used in a different account. You probably don't want to do that. Um, I don't actually know 95 to 99 percent of any of my passwords. Like I don't even have never seen them, really. I have never chosen them. I simply push a button on when I log into an account and say, hey, 1Password, create an account or create a password for this account and store it. And then I only thing I ever do is copy them out of pa- or 1Password and put them into the form. And I have it installed on my desktop. I have it installed in my browsers as a plugin for Chrome and Firefox. And I also have it on my phone. So I have the ability to get these different passwords and credentials in different places. I also store notes. So if someone gives me any kind of something I would consider needs to be secure, I put it into like a little vault of notes and um, credit cards, bank information, identity information, like all that stuff. So I got, it was hard at first because Megan was a note taker on paper But now we've moved into this world where I don't even need to ask. Like, is that in one password? And she's like, yes. And then it's I just have to type in the right search term to find the credential. So it it's a transition. I don't know that I can get my mom and dad to do it, but it's I feel better with my I, I am the point, the easiest point of destruction of my credentials on, on almost every service that I use and all my clients' computers because I am admin on all sorts of things. And I feel like there's a higher level of responsibility that I have to be secure because I can't expect other people to be more secure right. if I'm not. So I feel like I've got to be really strict with this and especially people on my team and the only time the like the only way that we ever share stuff which still is insecure is if someone doesn't have one password we try to go through slack and share things on slack and then delete right. once it's gotten transferred that's the the most secure pattern i found um, which may be at risk still because i don't know anything about how slack indexes um yeah, and stores I, my stuff Yeah my guess it. is it's stored. And i know that
0: so uh that now what we've yeah. done, and and I don't remember the the name of the website. And again, this is do you trust the website? Um, but there are websites that you can yep. enter uh, that just have a text field. You enter something in that text field, hit save. It provides you a link, and then the next person to access that link can see what you put in, and then it's gone forever. So that's the way we've exchanged passwords within um, Aspire EDU when we've had to, Um, we don't, within that text box, we don't say what it's the password to. We don't say what the username is. So there's really very little risk there. Um,
1: Mm -hmm. But that, but that is the risk around email that we were kind of alluding to not doing is that, If someone breaks into your email account, not only can they verify changes to all your other accounts probably, but they can do searches for the keyword password and then probably pull up a number of emails where you've shared passwords in the past and then gives them access to more stuff. So that's another reason not to use email or passwords.
0: Whenever I've I've had to share a password, I usually try and make sure that the way I share the username and the service – is different than the way I share yeah. the password. Whether I do the, whether I do one of them mm-hmm. by voice or one of them by email, one of them by um, self-destruct website. Uh, if, if they're separated, yeah. they're a lot harder to use. Um, and that password's a lot less at yeah. risk. Um, one thing that I, I was looking up as you were talking, that it is integrated with, um, with, one password, but not LastPass, um, is a website uh, by the name of Have I Been Pwned? dot um, Now, this is a yep. security person who's been doing this, who's been running this website for many times, many years, I should say. Um, but in late 2017, mm-hmm. what he did was he said, "You know what?" here is a searchable database of all the passwords that have been breached. So among all the breaches that, that Mm -hmm. I know about, and he knows about all the public ones, here are all the passwords that have been released to the world. And what he's, what he's saying is before you use a password, check it here again, you have to trust him and you have to trust the website's on, but check it here. And I, if you check it here, you'll be able to see, has this password been used somewhere, whether it's yours or not, um, and, and is out there in yeah. some server farm somewhere when somebody's running hacks against a service, are they running through this database? Now, the database he's got is over 300 million passwords right now. Um, so I just tried yeah. one of mine, and, and one of mine's not in there, so... That, that gives me a good feeling but um, I don't think we'll get into password strategy today I, that is almost uh, 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 yeah. this old app uh, discussion because we start talking about special characters and 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 numbers and capital letters and all that <laughs> yeah. but um, have a password strategy would be what I say um, with within a company have a strategy and yeah. it seems to be common, among security researchers to say the most important part of that strategy is the length of the password. It is not whether it's capitalized or special characters or numbers. It is make it long. Cause mm-hmm. if it's, if it's 12 or more long mm-hmm. uh, characters long, it's significantly harder to hack than if it's eight. Um, so that yep. that is that's the one takeaway I'd have is have a strategy look into what the current strategy is because 3 years ago, 5 years ago they were telling you use special passwords, use numbers all that. Now they're saying the longer
1: the better. Yeah. Well, the the thing about length versus complexity is if you make users do something complex, they will work their tails off to simplify it, right. And that puts them at greater risk. So the the last I think we'll'll we'll, we're about to end things for this particular episode because there's way more to talk about. All the things we mentioned tech wise we'll put in show notes for people to refer to. The last word I'm going to throw out there, which doesn't need much discussion yet, is yeah. two factor because I've seen that more and more but I don't know that it's getting implemented correctly by the service providers or at least I've had run I run into problems so that I I'm like there's no way this is not happening to more and, people um so we'll def- yeah, we'll talk I about think, two I factor and I think you're going to have to go future, do some research on two
0: factor topic. before we do that because I am seeing them come back and saying two factor by SMS by text message Is a poor way of doing it, and I don't know that I've ever dove into the why, so I'm gonna go dive into the why so that I'm ready to talk about that next time we uh next time
1: we talk about it. Yep, and I will maybe try to implement it with an app here or there to figure out some of the options that people can do. Um, it's not easy, and I, I feel like it's easy for me to do, but I don't like I always try to think can I get my mom to use this? And I don't know that I could. Um,
0: well, that, that is one thing I'll say is that within construction specialties, we did try. I did try to get everybody on LastPass mm-hmm. um, because there are a couple of people within the company that have a large spreadsheet of yeah. usernames and passwords. So the concept's not that different, right? Between yeah. LastPass and a spreadsheet. So you'd think it was an easy transition, but I'm still fighting it right this minute, so um, we'll we'll see. Maybe I'll have better news by the time we get back on the subject.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Dane, we talked a while about this, so I'd say we can call it a day. Think All we're right. Good. Do we need to play
0: Reveille to wake everybody up from our password discussion?
1: Are uh, we good? I think when we do the closing... Music, that'll wake everybody up. The, the The
0: outro music is pretty good,
1: so uh, that, that, that'll wake everybody up. All right,
0: so very good, Randy. We'll talk soon. Later. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think Podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show if you have feedback ideas or want to be a guest please email us at hello at ctothink.com show music is dumpster dive by mark wallach licensed by premiumbeat.com voiceover work by meganvoices.com
1: you'll hear from us next week